0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. What's the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read did PG-13.
1: Welcome in to the DNVR College podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm and I'm here with Justin Michael. What is that, my dude? Uh, Not much. I'm recording a podcast with you. Uh, And today (laughs) we're talking about um, a couple of really fun things. Uh, We are going to go through the three opponents. Well, I guess I'm going through three, but CSU has four non-conference games that we would schedule for our school's non-conference schedule that was like the least clear way i could have explained that but essentially i'll be picking whatever three games i wish the buffs were playing instead of the three they are playing and justin will do the same we're also going to talk about the best games of week one of the college football season and uh before we kick all that off we got to touch on the news of the week because that is a very important thing right now because a lot of things are happening so, I wish uh, we had,
0: like, a little jingle, like, on Blue's Clues when he did, like, oh, the mail time or whatever. Just, yeah. time. People are we like, just need, like, an hell? intern
1: or something. Maybe we can get Ben on here to just sing our jingles for us.
0: Oh, Have speaking of Ben the intern, he's in the PS4 Madden League for DNVR with me, mm-hmm. and he didn't realize which team I was, and I offered him a trade, and he was, like, totally dogging my trade in the group chat. And I, <laughs> I got hopped on the Discord because we were in, like, the audio one during, during the draft. And oh. I was like, Hey Ben, you're fired.
1: <laughs> that's good stuff. He needs to be threatened to be fired. Occasionally it just keeps him in his place.
0: Exactly. And I made it clear afterwards that I definitely don't have that power. I I'm sure he knew that anyways, <laughs> but it's yeah. fun to pretend to matter.
1: I know that's like why I have an intern. If you can't pretend to fire him, like <laughs> what's the point? Uh, but yeah, news is important. Um, As a uh, just general lead into this, things are not as bad as they were last week, but I would still say the news is generally bad. Has that been like your take on just in general college football over the last week?
0: Yeah, it it just kind of feels like my optimism for this season, like going off smoothly is is decreasing by the week. I still just... It always comes back to money for me. So, like at that point, I like I still feel like football is going to happen. Like they're gonna find some way to push this through. But it just feels like, yeah, like logistically, how are we gonna make this work? I felt like last week there was like a major step back, and then this week there
1: was just like a moderate step back. Where it's just like, yeah, things aren't getting much better. There are more tests, positive tests. People are still mad, but it isn't a whole new groundbreaking week in my mind in terms of the changes
0: yeah i mean it's it's not like a situation where you know we should be up here going like everybody panic football's not going to happen now um you know given the the testing numbers that you know you put place like clemson it just brings up the question you know like what do you do when mass amounts of players start testing positive how long do you shut it down for and if you do shut it down, you know, does that resolve the issue? We haven't really gotten to see that yet because, you know, it just, there just hasn't been enough time. I, it's going to be kind of interesting to me to look back like a month from now and see what's happening at Clemson, what's happening at a place like Boise State where they recently had to shut down the campus. So it, it's just going to be interesting to see how all of this goes. It kind of goes back to the theme of what we've been saying the last couple of weeks. Um, we don't know. And it just sucks because it's so hard to talk about. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But, yeah, I mean, you brought the
1: Clemson numbers uh, just today. The numbers for Clemson from the last week were released. Um, So two weeks ago, two players tested positive. Last week, 21 more tested positive. This week, 14 more is the new number, bringing the total at Clemson to 37. They had 30 players uh, quarantined. As of a couple of days ago, LSU had 20, I believe. Um, Those are the two teams are in the national championship. So you can see that this really is impacting um, schools. Um, But even more than the testing numbers, because I think at this point we're expecting to see positive tests. You know, that 14 number doesn't surprise me.
0: Um, Do you have any no? I mean, they're getting like you put everybody together. Naturally, the the tests are going to go up. What I'm curious about is is this spreading you know, because of, because of the football activities or is this spreading because of what the players are doing in their free time? You know, I don't think it's necessarily realistic to expect, you know, the players to just sit at home all the time when they're not
1: playing yeah.
0: football, but that is, you know, the big concern because it doesn't matter what these teams are doing from the sanitation process, social distancing, all of that. If after practice, the players are going out to bars, you know, going out to nightclubs, whatever it is even like a place like a movie theater or like an off campus gym or something like that. You just never know, you know, how are they monitoring this? Is it even possible to figure some of this stuff out?
1: Yeah. Well, and, and again, there's just so much to it. And like you said, like you want to see what's happening with this stuff a month from now and all of it plays out. And I feel like we all just have these different time periods kind of ingrained in us where it's like, okay, we all know about two weeks after something happens, you start to see whether the cases rise from it, you know, as the protests, whether that's bringing everybody back to football facilities, all of it. And then a month out, you really get the clear picture. You know, we're starting to see like three to four months out. You can see how the antibodies are working, how the uh, like, long-term effects are impacting people. And, and so it's just kind of like building and building all this information we're getting, but yeah, it, it's going to be well before we see this stuff, getting back to the players going out on their own. This was the first week that we as CU media had a chance to talk to players on the team. Uh, so Mustafa Johnson actually brought up that there is this push. Like there is a lot of pressure, a lot of peer pressure really on the student athletes to not go out And they all get it. And that's something they kept going back to uh, that Mustafa said that they were just constantly talking about, like, you don't go out. And if you go out, everybody on that team is going to be angry at you. And that's the way it kind of has to be. And you're seeing the effects where I I believe only two football players still have tested positive, which is much better than the numbers across the country, even though Colorado isn't uh, in a bad place in terms of coronavirus right now compared to a bunch of other states boulder in particular is within colorado
0: it's definitely been encouraging at least from a colorado and colorado state standpoint if somebody's tested positive at colorado state they haven't made it public and and that's very well possible just given you know hipaa and all of that kind of stuff that was actually one of the things i talked about on the rams podcast yesterday it's going to be Kind of unique to see how different reporters balance that and how they report on the coronavirus. Like, it is. Do we really need to know which players specifically are testing positive? Probably not, to be honest. But I get why people are, you know, this isn't me like criticizing reporters for doing it, but I don't know. It is. I'm not sure I would want that information out about myself. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And, and it is so weird. Um, because, you know, we're both reporters, obviously. We both go through it. Uh, just this week, Taylor Korniak, who uh, played at CU, was the number four overall pick in the NWSL draft, which is the Women's Soccer League uh, in the United States. So fourth overall, I means she's a pretty incredible player. The, the news comes out, that the Orlando Pride, the team that drafted her, won't be competing in the return to women's soccer. And it's the only team that isn't returning because a bunch of the young players on the roster tested positive for the coronavirus and they were able to trace it back to a night at the bar um people or I, and, and then they did come out with another statement that said there were multiple nights at the bar but when everybody else is pointing at taylor and saying hey it looks like she's part of the group we can go back through the um uh, venmo interactions to see like she she was out like it is this weird thing where i feel like i wouldn't want to push that out there but when i have a buffs podcast and this is already out there i feel like there is this kind of responsibility to just like inform people of what the narrative is you
0: know where it's definitely like Like, once it's it's out it's out like you might as well talk about it i just mean like you know i don't see myself busting my back to try and like scoop you know like this is the csu player that tested positive because at the end of the day like Unless that player was, like, super reckless or something. Mm-hmm. Does it really matter?
1: Yeah. Well, and and there definitely is a stigma around it, too, especially when these are public figures. You know, I, I know that... I How do I not give away any information? I know that somebody who I come into contact with regularly um, f- through some sort of let's just say that somebody who I, I see regularly has come into contact with somebody who it has been put out there because people are reporting on the names of athletes who have tested positive it has been put out there that
0: he has also been in contact with that person. And so for me, it's like, Oh, I didn't I, really consider it from a public health perspective. I guess there is that side of the story. Like, do people have yeah. the right to know just given, you know, like I would want to know who I've been in contact with, I guess. I don't know, it's a weird, what a weird time a, to be alive. But then there's also like this
1: responsibility on those people. Like we know that there's contact tracing and we know that if, if this person tested positive, then you, you can like look back and figure out who they've come into contact with. And the people who know whether those people should be taking themselves out of society have had those conversations with them. And so there is this kind of trust where it's like, I can still go to you for the situations where I need to go to you because I know this process has happened, and so you must be fine. But there is that stigma, and it's, it really is a complicated thing.
0: I do have to say this, though. Leaving your uh, Venmo transactions public, that's a rookie move. Rookie move.
1: That is fair. That is fair. That's, that's not a controversial take at all. Um, I think mine are public as well. We're going to work on that. But yeah, so there's that going on too. Um, Just to hit on what the news actually is instead of just our general feelings about it. Um, You know, the, the, the big news is probably Morehouse college uh, historically black college plays division two football. Uh, It announced today that it would not be playing any sort of sports I believe in 2020, including football. Um, So that is the first program or a scholarship program that is cut football for this season. That's something to pay attention to, as we've talked before, because if, say, Fresno State uh, doesn't play – the Buffs have Fresno State on the schedule, they're going to have to fill that in. And I think we're going to start to see some of these lower-level schools, these D2 schools, start to say, we can't do it. That trickles up to the FCS, and then maybe you see some FBS schools. Um, do you have anything you want to say there before we move on?
0: I'd say the odds of FBS not playing are, are not quite as high. I mean, you will see some schools cut some non-revenue generating sports, especially yeah. if they're in a position to do so from a, from a Title IX perspective. You know, when you look at a school like CSU, they, li- they literally can't cut any programs right now or it's going to cause issues with Title IX. But, you know, like a school like Northern Colorado or Mesa down in Junction, you yep. know, a Division II program, they're a scholarship program but they don't make a ton of money off of athletics at some point they just might decide, you know, we're, we're spending too much. The, uh, where it's really, really going to be tough is for programs that have like recently invested in their athletic program. You know, what if you spent all this money on your gym? I'm I'm drawing a blank on, I believe it was Gillette college, which is a junior college up in Wyoming. Uh, They recently announced that they're getting rid of all of athletics they just renovated their entire basketball arena like two years ago. It's like actually a really dope setup. Now you're just going to throw it out the window. That's, that's a tough break. It is, it is. And that's, uh, I mean, it, I, I, I think that
1: we're just kind of starting this process and the things that would sound very surprising right now when we get to August may not sound so surprising as we continue down this road, where it is like, Oh, we're starting to get a little pessimistic. We're starting to hear again, that maybe the beginning of the season will be delayed, which is something that I hadn't heard from anybody for at least a few weeks before this last two week period, where we're starting to see that movement. And and again, it's just, we don't know. And it's just going to take some time to see. Uh, one thing that we brought up last week, though, on the college podcast, was uh, the Chuba Hubbard situation and the power dynamic between coaches and players, and how players may be, uh, maybe, more empowered to speak out against this, against coaches who are racist or maybe I mean, not yeah, racist but have not others. even
0: just that specifically i mean that's obviously a great example of it yeah. but really just the 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 power to speak out about anything in general you know i think for years and years so many so many athletes were just terrified of of speaking on anything you know whether it was racism or just something going on you know police brutality whatever it may be just to, issues in our society because they didn't want to draw Negative backlash. They didn't want any criticism. The schools were too scared to take a stand because they were worried about, you know, alienating their audience and all of that. And we're kind of seeing a position now where the players are realizing, like, I mean, we we have all the cards here. If we just say, we're not going to play unless you do this, we can kind of force the school's hands. We saw it with Oklahoma State last week. And now we're seeing it in Mississippi with Kylan Hill and him declaring that he's not going to play for Mississippi State. Unless Mississippi changes the state flag, which obviously has the uh, the Confederate symbol in it.
1: Yep, that's happening. The Kansas State stuff is going on with the racist tweets.
0: Yeah, I'm not gonna. I, I don't remember the dude's name, but it was just some. I guess like right wing MAGA type dude. I don't. I don't know. I don't really follow him, so I don't. I don't care to be honest, but. He said something really terrible about George Floyd. It's not even worth repeating. And Kansas State players basically came out and they were like, we're not going to play for Kansas State if this dude is allowed to, you know, go to Kansas State and represent our university. And there's, there's going to be some clash on that, I think, because people are going to argue free speech and you're entitled to do all that. But at the same time, you know, universities have a conduct code. They have very strict guidelines about, you know, inclusivity and trying to prevent this type of thing. It wouldn't surprise me if Kansas State ends up expelling this dude.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's going to be another thing to monitor um, over the next few weeks. And again, it's, it's more about this trend than any specific incident where it's Juba Hubbard, and then it's Kylan Hill, and then it's a bunch of Kansas State players. And we're just seeing these pop up more and more as we kind of expect to as we go through this. And so keeping an eye on what's going on there will be important, especially because it could be the case that it could be a team closer to home eventually that's going through these processes. And so paying attention to what's happening in other places would uh, make some sense. Um, Okay. I think that that does it for all the news that we had to touch on, right? There's really nothing else big.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a super news heavy week by any means. Like you know, like you said, the COVID stuff kinda of glanced over that. Kylan Hill, probably the biggest. I guess we didn't mention the fact that uh because Kylan Hill did this, a bunch of representatives from different universities, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, they all went to the uh state capitol to lobby for this. So definitely definitely changes are coming. I don't think you would have seen something like this, especially in the SEC. I mean, we're seeing Ole Miss coaches publicly speak out against the rebel flag. We're seeing Alabama football release a two minute video about how all lives can't matter until black lives matter. You wouldn't, this, that wouldn't have happened even like a couple of years ago. It just wouldn't have. We're kind of in a position right now, I think where it's the more popular decision. It's like the cool thing to stand up for, you know, social equality and it, it's kind of cool. It's kind of refreshing, especially considering, you know, college athletics, generally pretty shady.
1: Yep. Uh, other thing with Kylan Hill, for those who haven't been paying too much attention, he's really good at football. Um, really good. It's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Dre and I were talking on the draft podcast, which we recorded just before this, um, because uh, we, were, we were running through all of the odds on DraftKings, shout out DraftKings, um, that include like the, uh, the, the odds for a player to be the first player taken from his position group. And right now DraftKings has Colin Hill ranked fourth. So fourth running back taken is their guess. And duran and I both had him higher than that and said there's a real chance that he is the first running back taken. But it is strange with this Mississippi stuff going on. Both head coaches there. But yeah, um those Should are really damn were-
0: flag Mississippi. Can we just like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what is the defense of that? For God's sake. That's yeah. Yeah. Right there with you. There ya. isn't one. Change it. Right there with you.
1: So, yeah, um, that's really what's going on. Starting to see more players come forward. Pay attention to that. Coronavirus cases still trending upward, um, but the only schools that have said that there will be changes have been Morehouse College types that say we can't play football at all. That's the only scholarship school that said that, a Division II school. Uh, I think that does it for news. We'll do news again next week um, with whatever comes up this week. But before we talk about the five games we are most excited to watch in week one of this college football season, we want to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery. Breckenridge Brewery is incredible. Uh, So many good beers. What's the last
0: Breckenridge beer you've had, Justin? I had two Strawberry Skies last night, actually. It It was nice and refreshing. It's been really hot lately. I'm about it. It's like summer in a can.
1: Where were you when you drank them?
0: just sitting on my uh, crappy little patio. I, I have a terrible view uh, of just like an apartment <laughs> complex and it's, it's not very peaceful normally, but you know, want to know what? I had that bliss in a can and I was doing okay.
1: Yeah. See, I don't have a patio. There was like this whole thing that happened with us renewing our lease where like the paperwork was s- submitted in the wrong order for us to be able to move because of a whole bunch of dumb leasing rules love that stuff. But we were supposed to be like up at the top of our building with a balcony for only like 100 bucks more a month with washer and dryers in our apartment. Instead, we are still not up there. And uh, we don't have any sort of patio to go outside. It's all inside where we drink our beer.
0: I mean, it's really like a state of mind. You know what I mean? Just throw some sunglasses on, drink that beer in the living room close your eyes, maybe put some beach sounds on. It's whatever. You'll be all right. I feel,
1: like, I feel like it works for like the third and fourth beers, but maybe not the first and second.
0: Well, the, yeah, but that's okay. Because the first and second, you're just so stoked to finally be having, you know, your first beer of the day that yeah, you forget about all that beer other stuff. Day. Yeah, you're, yeah, not just any beer. <laughs> Colorado's Choice Beer, the official beer of DNVR, Breckenridge Brewery, you know, pick it up, use the Breck Beer Locator, takes all the inconvenience out of beer shopping. If you're in the metro area, you can get it delivered via Davidson's. They have two locations, one in Centennial, one in Highlands Ranch as well. Shout out to Breck. I'm going to have a – it's about 4.30. It's about Breck o'clock. Yeah,
1: I think it is. If I knew how to pause this, then I would say we should pause and go grab some beers. Um, But instead – oh, wow. You had one right on you. Uh, Instead, we're moving along to DraftKings. Because the sports landscape is ever-changing, and this week is no different. Luckily for all of us sports fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, has us covered. And for a limited time, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. This week is actually full of action. There's golf. I've been watching golf all day the last two days, and I'm going to keep doing it all weekend. There's soccer going on in Europe, and DraftKings Sportsbook has action on all of it. That's not all. If you head to the app now, you can find special odds. You can find promotions that will be available throughout the week to help you make it rain. They're based right here in the U.S. They aren't offshore. Uh, You know your funds are safe. You know they're secure. You can deposit and you can withdraw whenever you want. And again, to top it off, they're offering their best sign-up offer to date right now. You don't want to miss it. Download the top-rated or DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's code DNVR to get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only bonus comprised of a first deposit or a First deposit bonus in a first bet match. Each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times play through restrictions. Do apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I skipped part of that. Like, I just skipped ahead in my, in my mind because I've
0: read it so many times that I just missed a piece. Happens to the best of us. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I opened this beer, but... Uh kind of warm so that i spilled all (laughs) over myself (laughs) oh no uh, i miss that all for the bit baby all for the bit
1: all for the bit um also you're wearing a bama hat is bama usc in your uh best games of week one well obviously because that's the one i'm most excited for too and I was just talking about this with Dre because we were going through everything, talking about like who would we bet on for like the college football playoff to make the college football playoff.
0: USC. Ooh, that's has a fun a, topic. We'll do that next week.
1: We will. USC has a sneaky path. They have to beat Bama week one. But if there is ever a time to take on Bama, it's week one when they're changing quarterbacks. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, to be honest, as a Bama fan, i I just don't fear USC, and a lot of that happen has to do with the last time they met up in Dallas. It was, it was a slaughtering. It was, it it looked a lot like an SEC team playing like CSU. Actually, (laughs) CSU has competed against Alabama significantly better than USC has over the last decade. Really? Yeah, I mean, in 2017, the Rams scored the most points against Alabama all season against anybody they played. SEC was it week one? No, it was like
1: week four. Oh, dang. See, week one, I, I thought that that would be the
0: Can't the even difference. talk crap. Can't even, can't even throw shade on it. It was legit, but <laughs> yeah. It I was mean, a but, legit
1: close loss. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, when you're playing the number one team on the country, the eventual national champion, I, I think you got to take that as a Mountain West team, but how, how so, can you not be excited about USC Alabama? It's two yeah. historic powerhouses week one. I love that they've been doing it. Um, it's a little bit frustrating in terms of, I don't think there's a lot of quality football that, that that gets played in week one. So maybe you should play this like week two, week three, something like that. But in terms of getting everybody amped, September 5th, Bama USC doesn't get any better than that uh, other than the Rocky mountain showdown, obviously, but we're, uh, we're going to leave that one out cause we're going to be there. So we don't <laughs> we need are to gonna be it. there. Uh, yeah and that that,
1: we should clarify that we are both very excited for that game but decided we couldn't include it because we're both very excited for that game but yeah usc bama i think that people forget just how much talent usc still is getting despite having terrible coaching like that's the real problem there like you look at those receivers they probably have six guys who are four stars or better who are six foot three or taller and run a four, four, eight or faster. Like they're just all blue chip athletes all through that roster.
0: They always have speed. They always have great athletes. Do they have the quarterback though? That's, that's been the big lack for, you know, USC. There was the brief stretch with, with Sam Darnold where it was like, all right, maybe USC is going to do some stuff here, but until they have that legit quarterback, mm-hmm. I just don't know if you're gonna be able to compete with a with an elite team like Bama. That said, Bama's gonna have a new quarterback too. Gotta to replace, you know, a lot of starters. Maybe USC can squeak one by him.
1: Exactly. And see, that's why I'm so hyped on USC is because I I am bought in on Keaton Slovis. And I know that like I have a responsibility to bus fans to not like drive a hype train for anything related to USC. But the truth is. As a true freshman, he looked really good last year. He definitely like that's, flashed. That's why JT Daniels decided to transfer. And like JT Daniels, still a guy who you look at and say a, a decent year gets him into the NFL draft. And he Would said Buffs
0: fans really be upset if you hyped up a USC. Play- is that like a is that a Pac-12 not- team that Buffs don't like at this point? I mean, I know they haven't beaten th- him, so there's that reason to not like him, but other than that, has it been like is there some animosity there?
1: It's mostly, I mean, the, the not having beaten them is the most frustrating part, but there's almost like my my understanding, having been around Buffs fans who have talked about USC for about a year now, is it's almost like it's this like Dodgers type thing where it's like, okay, you guys are like the big money, like gross, buy all of the talent type of school that's just going to win despite not being structured perfectly and despite having a, a pretty – terrible coaching staff just because you're in LA and all the LA players will consider going there and you're going to win some of them over that you probably should.
0: So it's kind of like CSU and Boise state where they have that. It's like that slight inferiority complex because the other team is so successful, but it's also like that slight level of frustration, knowing that like at our best we could compete with them and we just can't right now. And that's what makes it so much worse.
1: The Buffs blew a fourth quarter lead to USC last year. It would have been the first oh, time. I remember I like.
0: watched it. I was out in Fresno for the Fresno State CSU mm-hmm. game. I watched it at a really cool sports bar out there. I can't remember what it was called. I guess that's not a great sell. But if you're in Fresno, <laughs> they have a cool sports bar. Out there. Yeah, so check them all out. Find it. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's
1: what it is. And I think it's it's more of that that's just one of those clouds that's been hanging over the Buffs' head really for this last decade and a half where they've been. I mean, it's been a decade and a half that they've kind of been irrelevant, for the most part, college football-wise, at least nationally, and the last decade of that has been with them losing consistently to USC every year, and so that's just one of those clouds that's a part of this era that people are just waiting to push aside.
0: So what you're saying is that Buff Nation will be all about that roll tide on September 5th.
1: It'll be interesting because again, like you people just to, hate Alabama. Well, there's that factor as well. But yeah, I mean, for the PAC 12, it's so huge for USC to be good. Like USC needs to be the leader of that conference. It's consistently in the top 10 because they have all of the resources to be able to do that. And that's what brings in the TV money. And when you're within two years of a TV contract, I think you have to be pulling for the PAC 12 in every single game that they aren't, playing against each other but again,
0: but you're coming like, at that with too much logic you know that's not exactly. that's not the fandom perspective that's not the i just hate usc i hope bama rolls them because i'm tired of them turning their nose up at us yeah
1: like like right now if somebody said in 8 years the broncos will have another 10 million dollars because the raiders just won a game i'd be like i don't care the raiders yeah, should lose every game yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but yeah it, it is it is one of those things where it's like emotionally Obviously no, but logically it'd be so much better for Colorado for USC to win that game because then all of a sudden you have a chance to beat USC who beat Alabama on Halloween. So we'll see.
0: Halloween is going to be an awesome football week. We've got a USC playing CU and we've got Mm -hmm. Colorado state hosting Wyoming. So two Friday night games. It's going to be awesome.
1: Yeah, that will be great. Okay. What's your second Um, game? Second game. Um, And see, this is where it gets tougher because there are some other games that I really like on there, um, but they're mostly the next week. And I'm pulling up my notes right now, but I'm thinking about the the Oregon-Ohio State game, but that's September 12th, the week after. Yeah,
0: that's week two. All right, I'll go Um, then. We've got BYU versus Utah. Yes. And... That's not a game that's necessarily going to get like a ton of national love. Like, I don't think people like in the SEC fans or like Big Ten fans are going to be really stoked about... I believe this is called the Holy Wars, what they call that rivalry. I um, can't remember if that's Utah, Utah State, or BYU. I think it is BYU-Utah. But these are two fan bases that absolutely hate each other. This is like CU-CSU on steroids. They cannot stand each other. It's two teams where... The game doesn't really impact the course of their season all that much because BYU being independent, Utah Pac-12, even if you lose it, you can go on and still accomplish like more or less all of your goals, still win the league, still make the playoff, whatever your goal is for that year. But it's one of those where bragging rights are just so important. They play it like it's a week 13, you know, game to decide the league. And I'm just, I love those type of rivalry games. Any game where two teams absolutely hate each other, Alabama-Auburn, Michigan-Ohio State, BYU-Utah, I'm in. I think it's going to be a great game.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good choice. And again, just some significant implications as well, I think, like with, with Utah at least getting a quick read, is this team back? Like, is it a team that, can actually compete for a Pac-12 title again and be on the verge of a college football playoff appearance or will they lose to BYU week one and everybody's like, okay, that was just a quick little phase there.
0: They got exposed hard at the end of last season. They I do did. think there's some intriguing talent there. I think Utah's another team that like very subtly could be very dangerous in the Pac-12 this year. That's a tough matchup. I do think it's in Utah, it's, which, is, which is definitely going to be big but it's going to be a fun matchup, man. I love rivalry, rivalry games. Week one. I still go back to the same thing where it's like, it sucks when you lose a rivalry game week one. Cause then you're just like, you know, we weren't even ready yet. Like if only we got to play them week three, mm-hmm. but it's also just like in terms of drawing all that interest, getting everybody excited again, doesn't get much better than that.
1: Yep. That's a really good one. Uh, next up I've got Michigan and Washington. I think that that is going to be an incredible game, especially because they're playing
0: the game in Seattle, which should balance things out. It's a little surprising mind. that they got Michigan to come all the way out to Washington for this. Yeah. Oh Kudos yeah. To totally. their AV. That's a big time pull. I don't, it's probably a home and home, but still. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But I think that'll be fun. It'll be an early read on Washington. And that's a team that is losing some key pieces including their head coach and replacing him with uh, Jimmy Lake, uh, the defensive coordinator. And so I don't think that this is going to be a great opportunity for the Pac-12 to make a statement. I mean, it's a great opportunity. I don't think it's going to go through. I think that even though Michigan is going to always be kind of overhyped, especially when they're structured the way they're structured now with Jim Harbaugh and all that stuff. But I wish that this game had happened last year or if they'd hold this off for 2021 because I think Washington could give them a real run for their money. But first game with a new head coach, losing quarterback, losing your running back, losing a key receiver, losing uh, your, your top cornerback. Like there's just so many talent, talents at important positions that are gone for them to actually win this, I think.
0: I think it's a fun matchup too. You know, you bring up Jimmy Lake, you bring up Jim Harbaugh. These are two coaches who are both going to have something to prove. Lake's taking over for Chris Peterson, who had a ton of success. He's going to want to prove himself, show, you know, we don't need him. The boat keeps going, all that stuff. Then you have Jim Harbaugh, who just perennially never lives up to expectations. I think every single year I see some national writers, you know, some national columnists write about how this is the year that Michigan breaks out. You know, this is the Mm -hmm. path for Michigan to make the playoff. I'll believe it when I see it as much as, as Washington has to replace, it wouldn't shock me if they found a way to sneak this, especially if it's like a defensive battle given, you know, Lake's defensive history, maybe he's able to come up with something that just gives Michigan fits, especially early in the year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and that's why it's worth including on this list,
0: I think, but I'm, I'm putting my money <laughs> on
1: Michigan and I'm probably betting quite a bit.
0: That's fair. That's fair. Well, uh, We'll have to do some type of like pick 'em and like keep track of it this year and see like yeah you know who finishes on top. My next game is Notre Dame versus Navy. Now It's a good one. Navy was great last year, you know, I think they surprised some folks. They're always going to be tough given that they run the triple option. This is the first time in history that this game is going to be played in Annapolis. They've been playing mm. for like over 100 years mm-hmm. and it's the first time ever that Notre Dame has agreed to play at Navy. I really, really want this game to happen just because of that. I think, you know, what a cool opportunity for them. You know, so many times the the power programs, they kind of strong arm you like, yeah, we'll play you, but you got to come here, you know, 14 times. Yep. And I just think at home, Navy week one, I really could see them upsetting Notre Dame. And, you know, Notre Dame's a program who expects to be in the college football playoff every year. And that's just one of those fun matchups where it's like, is Notre Dame legit? Or are they going to get screwed by this triple option offense that always takes down somebody every single year?
1: Yeah, well, and then with Navy losing their quarterback, it's going to be the first game for whoever they replace them with, which typically is really scary. But running the option, it's almost like an advantage. Like you almost expect, because like the decision-making is simplified, I think it would be fair to say you can get that spark of playing a guy for the first time while not having the downsides of like lacking the chemistry or the guy not knowing what he's doing. And I think that that's a reason they could catch him off guard.
0: That's a good point. I think another thing to consider will be the offensive coordinator. When you ever, whenever you have a quarterback running the option, it's all about rhythm. You know, it's reading your defense. It's trying to figure out that balance of we're going to attack the perimeter here. Now we're going to mix it up with some like fullback dives. Air Force Mm. is so frustrating because they'll run like four counters at you and then they'll do a reverse set off of that. And then they hit you with a fullback dive for eight yards. And you think, well, they wouldn't do it again. And then they run the exact same play against you for 12 yards. It's very similar with Navy. Can you get that young, inexperienced quarterback in a rhythm, feeling good early? It's not quite the same as throwing the ball downfield, but I just think It's going to be so important, especially going against a bigger team like Notre Dame. I agree. Uh, My next game is North Dakota State at Oregon.
1: This one is going to be fun. Uh, Oregon, another team that's replacing its quarterback. North Dakota State with Trey Lance, who I think is going to be the most exciting quarterback to watch this season in terms of draft positioning. Because, you know, right now he's projected to be a first-round pick. But
0: I, you go win at Oregon, you're going to shoot yourself up to like a top 10 pick.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. But the thing is like that team doesn't need him to do all that much. You know, typically, I mean, when they're playing FCS teams, not when they're playing Oregon, but last year, I mean, in 14 games, he threw 30 passes once he threw 20 passes, I think only four other times. And a lot of the stat lines were like 10 of 13. He also threw only like 28 touchdowns, which is two per game, but ran for 14 more, which is another per game. The crazy thing is, though, he didn't throw an interception all season.
0: And so, like, That's impressive. Yeah, 28 so is not nothing to scoff at either in a college game.
1: No, but for an FCS quarterback who's projected to be a first-round draft pick, it's not Carson Wentz Yeah,
0: he's not putting up like 50 touchdowns or something, I get you.
1: Yeah, and see, this is like the big question coming in the season is like, is he actually this good? And going into Oregon, there's going to be a lot of lot of the game is put on his plate. He needs to go win it for him, and I mean, I think he can, especially going up against an Oregon team that's starting a new quarterback for the first time. Uh, I, again, I, that Oregon offense, like again, talking to Dre earlier, Oregon runs a more SEC style system than most sec teams at this point like the way they've just doubled down on defense. They're all ground and pound on offense. I think that you can get away with having a less than stellar quarterback and, and still make it to a PAC 12 championship, still maybe make it to a college football playoff, even if it isn't a Justin Herbert type, type of talent, but can you do it week one when he's at his very worst against a North Dakota State team that we haven't seen take on too many of programs of Oregon's caliber during this stretch where they've won, what, six of seven national championships at the FCS level?
0: I I love any opportunity for a program like, you know, North Dakota State, James Madison, somebody that historically dominates the FCS level, a chance to prove themselves against greater competition. Now, I kind of wish they were going against like a – Like an Arizona State or something like that, where I felt like, you know, they could really win this game. I just think there's so much talent on that Oregon defense that it's going to be really hard for North Dakota State to come on the road and beat you, but it's early. North Dakota State is definitely a team that if Oregon slips up, they will take advantage. You know, they have enough talent. They're not going to go in there scared. You know that they're well coached, they have consistency within their systems. All of these things matter. This is a really, really tough game for Oregon, and one where I, I bet you their athletic director is kind of like, eh, I wish we didn't have that one on the schedule.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sure. Like, that, that is the worst team to schedule in college football because it's either a win over an FCS team or a loss over an FCS team, even though it is an FCS team that I think would be ranked in the preseason top 25
0: if it were Yeah. FCS. Yeah. I, th- yeah, I think, I mean, given their success, it's it's tough to say, you know, would they have been su- as successful if they'd been in the FBS this whole time? Yeah. But there, I, c- I can see an argument for that. I really do think the Mountain West should pursue North Dakota State now. They would have to, North Dakota State would have to be financially viable. You know, can they make that work? That's a lot of travel. Mm-hmm. But they're they're a basketball program on the rise. Obviously, you know, they do fine in football. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. That's a great game. I had that in my honorable mention. I kind of regret not putting that one on the list. Now another fun one to keep your eye on. Another one that's really not going to get a a lot of national love. uh, Washington State led by Nick Rolovich is going to host Utah State. Now, Utah State, not the most exciting opponent in the world, but it'll be second year under Gary Anderson. And you have Rolovich, who really understands Utah State well because he's been in the Mountain West for the last, like, eight years. How does Rolovich start his career? Does he start it off on the right track? Or, you know, if they lose, are people starting to come for his neck already?
1: Yeah, and I I totally agree that that's going to be a fun one to watch. And like, like another one, obviously, with Rolovich that I am very curious in as a Pac-12 fan And the more we talk about all these games for the Pac-12, it's like, oh, what if USC actually does beat Bama? What if Washington actually does beat Michigan? And they just keep running through all of them. And there's a real chance that this first week of football is just devastating for the Pac-12. Yeah,
0: I mean, if they lose out, like, they're going to win some. Obviously, not everybody's scheduling up, but it's a situation where, like, you know, what if you have, especially, you know, week zero, week one, Hawaii is going to play Arizona in week zero and UCLA in week one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, That's what a tough
0: team, man. They have a great offensive line. They have talent at the wide receiver position. They got to replace Cole McDonald at quarterback, uh, but they actually had another guy who got some reps last year. So it's not like he's going to be coming in completely raw. You know, if you lose to like, you have Arizona or, or UCLA lose to Hawaii, Washington state drops like a game to Utah state. BYU could beat Utah. I mean, it, it could really be a tough weekend, or it could be the complete opposite, you know? It, it, it's just one of those fun ones. Where is the Pac-12 this year? It's been a while since they've been legit, so that's kind of a fun storyline to, to keep your eye on. And that's really what's so scary. Like, you brought up UCLA going to Hawaii in week one.
1: Uh, also week one, you have... Oh, where did it go? Oh, uh, Cal hosts TCU. That's another one that TCU is going to be favored in. And I like what Cal's doing, but, but so many of these games, you know, Arizona hosting Portland state, that's devastating, but that Portland state team is a lot better than talent. people give credit. Yeah. I mean, like, they're always they, uh,
0: competing in the big sky. Yeah.
1: But um, my next game, we're actually sticking with the big sky Weber state at Wyoming.
0: Weber's going to win is that a fun one. one. I think Weber's going to win that one. I it's, think Wyoming, I don't love their offense. They're going to have a really good defense, like top 25 nationally defense. Hmm. But I, I don't know it'll,
1: it'll be really interesting for sure. Because, I mean, Weber's won the Big Sky or had a share of the Big Sky title each of the last three years. There were FCS semifinalists last year uh they're bringing back an all-american running back like i I, know yeah i mean it's a lot like Like, north
0: dakota state they're a team you can't sleep on csu's lost to weber state before csu's Mm -hmm. lost to north dakota state before too but (laughs) yeah (laughs) you don't have to we don't have to relive those moments from a decade ago but uh
1: but yeah i think this is the one where i'm willing to call my shot weber state that's that fcs over fbs upset week one mark it down down folks
0: the pokes are losing weber yep. state hank's calling it you'll yep. definitely have ram fans in your corner um you know oh, they, they love, love nothing more so
1: yeah oh this will be the first time all right uh, what's your next nice. game. yeah i don't i mean i don't have a hatred for csu until <laughs> i mean once we get to football season and lindsey and eric start just being like oh, and then all of a sudden they're going to make me hate csu again because I yeah, got but they, their, ha-
0: they, they have to be answer. that way to balance it with how much crap RK talks. So it's like. Yeah, that's fair. But then it pulls me into it because I have to counterbalance.
1: And then <laughs> it just turns into a mess.
0: The, uh, the last game that I'm most excited about, week one, is West Virginia versus Florida State. Two teams that have not been very good over the last couple of years. Two teams who are going to want to compete well. Just two historically great programs. You know, it's not USC Alabama. But you know that there's going to be some talent. Uh, can Florida State revive itself? It's been pretty much a disaster since Jimbo left. That's kind of a that's an intriguing one to me. And and West Virginia, you know, the same same regard. You know, can you win post uh, post Dana now that he's out in Houston? Yeah, yeah, that's
1: another good one. Uh, talking about all these games just really makes me want to watch football. Which isn't I a need surprise, it. but
0: need it. it's just happening again. I've got to acknowledge it. Um, I think that that's all of them. That I think I that's had. it. Yeah, those are some good games. I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously, um, you know, if you're gonna, if your first response is gonna be like, well, "We're not even gonna have a season," like, just keep it to yourself. But I think it's fun <laughs> to because you know it's gonna happen. You know that somebody on Twitter is gonna be like oh, who cares what games you're excited about? There's not even going to be a season. Whatever. Stick your head in sand. I yeah, don't want to like, hear it. I'm trying to stay the, positive.
1: Yeah, and if the season does get delayed, then we have a list already of the games that we were most excited to see but we miss, and then we can have our sad party and re-listen to the podcast then.
0: <laughs> I like it. All right, let's let's uh, let's move on to our our next segment. Which is who we would schedule in a perfect world. We're gonna do for 2021 for CU and CSU if we got to pick the non-conference slate. I picked four opponents. Henry picked three. Henry, who would Colorado's first be opponent? That didn't make any sense. Who would their first opponent be if you got to if you were Rick George? And see. We
1: talked about this beforehand, and so I do kind of want to just explain my thought process here before we get into this. So there's a bunch of different ways we could take it, and I do want to start by saying Rick George is much better at his job than I would be at his job because I would be very tempted to schedule Montana State just because I would be so confident that CU would stomp on them, and that would make me happy on the inside to see them get stomped. Um, I would also like to see – Colorado play Montana because that would be fun for me personally to watch my alma mater against the team I cover. I've decided to try to take my own feelings out of this and decide what would be best for the Buffs. And when I look at this Buffs roster, that 2021 team has a chance to be fun. You know, you've got Brendan Lewis in his second year, you've got Ashad Clayton in his second year, you've got all the talented receiver. Um, you have, if you bring Will Sherman back for his senior year, that offensive line could be incredible there's a bunch of guys all over the roster that i'm really excited to see and so i'd want to schedule the big guys i I think that that's what would be best as colorado tries uh, again to climb back into national relevance to to be a team that people see in the top 25 and eventually consistently see in the top 25 you gotta start out by getting some marquee wins and uh we're gonna start with ohio state because that's, cla- that's a classic team. Bold. I, I know, but but I just want to see what they can do. I want to give them a chance. I want to see what Colorado looks like against a good football team. And if they can keep it close, that's great. Because a lot of people are going to be tuning in because Ohio State's playing. And what Colorado needs is eyes on the program to, to boost recruiting, to boost the fandom. And could you imagine the hype going into that season? I we remember last year with Nebraska, Obviously, that's different for so many different reasons. But if everybody knows week one, we've got Ohio State, the fans are going to be fired up all offseason. Everybody has that circled. And I I just think that it would be very good for the culture and uh, maybe a little bit risky because they could just get stomped because Ohio State, you look at the recruits, they have more talent. According to the stars, they have the coaches that have done it before. They've done all of that stuff. But still, I want it to happen.
0: So you're going on the road to Ohio state. I would assume then. Cause I- um, ideally at home, if we can
1: make that happen, I would say like at CU at Folsom is what you want. Cause you want to give yourself a chance to win it. You want the fans to come in. You want the, you want Folsom be popping. You want national TV broadcasts in there. Everybody like, Oh wow. This is so cool. Ohio state here. Um, since this is a dream world, that's how we're starting the season at home against Ohio state.
0: It's definitely a fun one. And I always agree with the premise that you shouldn't be scared from scheduling. If you're, if you're going to advance as a program, you have to play good teams. The mm-hmm. counter is obviously if you get slaughtered and lose like 70 to 10, all of that excitement then goes right out the window. It does. It very much does. And
1: that's a risk that I'm willing to take. And again, I just really like where the bus will be. And honestly, I guess twenty. No, I, I mean that that could be good. Depends on how quickly Brendan Lewis develops. Whether twenty twenty one's the year, twenty twenty two's the year. But they have that secondary all together. They have that offensive line again. If Will Sherman comes back for his senior year, which I'm not too sure he will, with the running backs. Not because I know something. I want to throw out there. That's not like a scoop or anything. I just think he's that good. Um, the receivers with Brendan Rice is going to be out there. Jerry Rice's kid, and across from him. And, Across from him is Vontae, Chenault, Vizka's little brother. And they've got all the other talent there too. I just think that why not give it a run?
0: I like it. All right, so you're starting big. You're going week one, Colorado, host Ohio State. Who you got week two? Week two is tougher because I'm not doubling down on that same strategy. You got to give yourself at least one win in non-conference schedule.
1: Which was exactly my thought process when I picked Nebraska. You got, you got to schedule Nebraska. One, pal. If, if, if you can schedule Nebraska, like that should be on the schedule until that's a conference game. Like any time you have the chance to make them of your non-conference games, just do it. Just make it happen. And I get that. Like they've already scheduled so far out and you can't just make 2021 happen. But if I could, I would, you have to include Nebraska in any non-conference schedule. Plus I think they'd win that game
0: you got to go on the road at least once in your non-conference place. so are you are you traveling to lincoln cuz you don't get both those games at home you got to do at that's least fair. one on the road
1: that's fair um i mean it's nebraska's turn to host we'll we'll bring them back for 2022 as much as i hate taking that game away from boulder because i've i feel like in saying this i am literally ripping that game from the hands of bus fans who think they're going to be able to watch it in boulder um and i don't feel good about that but it is their turn Ohio State, I don't want to go there on the road. You got to go Nebraska on the road then.
0: I had a pair of Big 10 teams to start going big. Yeah. Yeah, one I, last I, slot to spill or to spill to fill with the the Pac-12 having a nine game conference slate. Yep. Who are you going and with? This again just gets so tough
1: because as much as I want to keep scheduling the big dogs, you know you think like, okay, who would you really want to see? I want to see Bama play football. And so I want them to come to Colorado, but that is not going to be my choice because I'm not going to say we're, we're playing every single good team. You have to temper things. We're going to save Bama for 2022. And in 2021, we're going to bring Wyoming down from Wyoming and play them in Folsom. And the buffs are going to beat them up. Hey, you, you, I mean, you got to get a win in there. You got to get a win in there.
0: Dude, CSU fans would rally with Wyoming fans in unprecedented territory. You think so? To root against the Buffs in that game? Yeah, because it's Interesting. It's, it's exactly like when, you know, you take CSU off the slate and then you schedule Air Force. It's like, oh, okay. what? You, come on, <laughs> man! Like, uh, I mean,
1: from this side of it, the the variety kind of plays into that CSU discussion, and I think that that's more for me personally than for buff fans in general, because there is that rivalry aspect there and like Rocky mountain showdown is really cool. And I really enjoyed it. But at the same time, you only have three games that rotate between teams that you don't play. Maybe not every year, because you only play like nine of the other 11 PAC 12 teams every year, but you only play three new teams essentially every year. And for one of those to be taken away, the Colorado state it just gets frustrating. Like, to make it once every four years and then be able to rotate. It's not frequent a,
0: enough. It's not Wyoming. frequent enough.
1: Rotate in an Air Force. You want to play
0: every other play year? I could accept teams. that. But the whole notion that CU is so impressive that they're so scheduling that they can't play them like once, but every five years. years—that's I won't accept it until CU is winning. You could, Y'all start winning. Y'all start, you know, nationally top 25. You actually have a, a leg to stand on. Sure but when you're projected to go 3 and 9 in the Pac-12 and, and nobody in the world takes you seriously and then you go out and you schedule Air Force and Wyoming and all this i'm not going to hear it i'm not going to accept it but but, uh, I, but i think it would be a fun game for all that crap i gave you i do think it would be intriguing you would get some Wyoming fans that would come down to boulder you kind of have the the you know Wyoming rugged versus like the boulder hippies or whatever you know there's mm-hmm. some fun that you could do there I get it. It, it. it would be an intriguing option. I, I like local. I like that you're exactly. scheduling someone, you know, along the front range, but I had to give you some crap there because if I did CSU fans are going to come from my neck. But for me, like, I, I just don't think that CSU is
1: just entitled to be the local team that the buffs play. Like That's you have fair. an air force here, you have a Wyoming here. Like we're not, you, there's variety in the local teams you pick too. Like I wouldn't mind scheduling Northern Colorado occasionally just because it's it just kind of feels like your responsibility to the college football community to say like whether colorado is the best team in the region or not they're the pac-12 team they get the easy path to recognition they get people who tune in because of the way the broadcast rights are all flipped around and you have to have colorado state like that is the big rivalry but You have a responsibility to Northern Colorado, to Air Force, to Wyoming to say, hey, we have
0: a slightly
1: bigger platform, if that's all you want to call it. So let's pull you in and see what happens.
0: I think it's definitely a fair counter that CSU isn't entitled to being that local school. But like it or not, CSU is definitely the second largest fan base in terms of like, so if you're talking about what is actually best for college football in the state of Colorado, it's getting as many people interested as possible And when you have a game with the two largest fan bases in the state. To me, it's a no brainer. You look at Utah versus BYU, they're playing every year. There, there were some breaks, I think actually where they didn't play every year, but more or less, you know, in a decade, they're probably playing at least eight times for me. If it's CSU, CU, I get that there's not a lot for CU to gain from winning this game. If you win, you beat the Mountain West team you're supposed to. If you lose, it's like, oh, God, we lost to a Mountain West team. So I get that it kind of sucks. Maybe you play like, I don't know, six times in a decade, seven times. I could live with something like that. Something like you play four games in Boulder, three in Fort Collins, something like that. I don't know. I I think it's such an important game just given that college football isn't big here. It's not massive. It's not the SEC. There's not going to be interest no matter what. Why take away the one game that, all the casual fans care about on both sides.
1: Yeah. And and I think that, uh, I mean, obviously very good points. And we like agree 90% here, but, but the thought process for me is like, if we don't realize how big that game is, like it's not even that it's that if you make it every other year, then all of a sudden that game just gets bigger when you don't play them every single year, because it doesn't feel like the city just stops because cu and csu are playing and ideally it would ideally that would be the story of colorado for the week everybody's talking about it. everybody's going everywhere in black and gold or green and gold i guess just black and green because the gold doubles up but the, the way the way it would work is like essentially you you make it feel like this bigger thing. Like say, Hey, if you guys aren't going to appreciate it, take it away for a couple of years. And then when it comes back, everybody will get fired up again. And while it's gone, throw in some of these smaller games and say, here's air force, here's all these teams. And the other thing with the scheduling is that when Colorado schedules games and schedules them five years out, six years out, they aren't thinking, Oh, we're going to be one
0: of the three worst pac 12 teams at the time. They're that's thinking, part of the problem. Scheduling in, in college athletics in general is stupid. Like the fact it's, that it's I know CSU is going to go to Texas Tech in 2026 or like they're going to go to <laughs> Tucson, Arizona in 2029. Like, sweet. I will be 34. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. But, but when you are scheduling that far out, like you look at and say, okay, we're a Pac-12 team. Colorado State's a Mountain West team. You expect, I mean, them both to be just an average Pac-12 team, a mountain average Mountain West team. And if you're Colorado's AD, you're saying by that point, I mean, Mel Tucker was here at the time. It's like, Mel's going to build us to this. And now it's like Carl Durrell. And by the time those games come around, the people at Colorado legitimately believe that they will have climbed the Pac-12 ranks. Whether that's true or not, I mean, it hasn't been true, obviously, for the past 11, 12 years. And now we're at this point where, yeah, Colorado State and Colorado will play week one and there's a good chance that the game is two scores or less. It could very well be a one-score game, and Colorado State could win it. But when this game was agreed upon whenever it was, seven, eight years ago, Colorado was probably thinking, oh, yeah, we'll be in the top 25. Colorado State will be a, a maybe a high-end Mountain West school, and we should be the better team by that time.
0: That's all fair. It's certainly um, all fair. I just – I think – it was just weird timing when all of this went down when you look at the attendance numbers for the rocky mountain showdown it's been going up it's been going up the interest is there there was like a you know there was kind of a lull from huh. in the mid 2000s to like 2000 you know 12ish when you're only pulling like you know high 50,000 60,000 people but we saw pretty consistently over like the last 6 7 years you know you're pulling 70 plus 1000 fans for this game it's just weird to me to take away a game where you have that much interest. But, you know, like I said, it's one of those where it's, it's, it's always going to be there's two sides. Neither are necessarily wrong. Mm-hmm. I just think it's disappointing when you lose a big game. But uh, my ideal slate, and we don't have to talk about it anymore, obviously, because we just drilled it. Week one, we're starting CSU-CU. Uh, we're keeping the Rocky Mountain Showdown because I just argued for it for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, another deal, like I actually think it would be more fun if this game took place the last week of the season, instead of the first week of the season, make it like an Alabama Auburn type deal. Montana, Mike, Montana. B- Mike state. Bo- I'm yeah. right there
1: with you. Yep. Mike
0: Bobo actually talked about that every year. He's like, I wish, you know, this game or the border war, like why are we not, you know, why are we playing like Boise state the last week of the season? It doesn't make any sense. Um, hmm. so, Either you start the season or end the season with them. Either way, I don't care, as long as the Rocky Mountain Showdown happens. After that, though, I'm going to get a little bit, not bold, because I think it's a very winnable game, but I would do CSU Travels to BYU. And the reason I do this is BYU used to be in the Mountain West. Colorado State and BYU had just a ton of shootouts in the 90s, early 2000s. Two fan bases that didn't actually used to get along all that much. It's not really a... You know, one where they consider it a rivalry per se, but CSU fans don't like BYU fans. BYU fans don't like CSU fans. You get a big national audience. The game would probably be on like ESPN 2 on like a Friday night or something like that. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good opportunity. You can travel. You know, people can drive. Big game. Agreed. Yeah. Week three, I would do Kansas State, which – not the most exciting program in the world, but I think it's a Big 12 team that you could realistically get to come to Fort Collins. Got a lot of Kansas State fans out in this area. I don't know. I just think like them, Iowa State, something like that. Obviously, it would be great to get like a Texas or a Oklahoma, but it's, it's just not realistically if you're a Mountain West program. So I think it would be kind of an opportunity good opportunity, maybe winnable. K-State's usually pretty good though. But, you know, they're not really like a team that you think of, but they usually hang around the top 25. Huh. Yeah, that's those are good choices.
1: Um I need to jump back to mine real quick because I can feel myself getting slaughtered right now by people who are listening and thinking how in the whatever word you use to fill that in, did you not schedule Michigan State and Mel Tucker? And I am right there with you. I think that that definitely needs to be in there. In hindsight, I just realized that that was a brutal oversight. So who
0: are you taking heart. out then?
1: Probably Ohio State. I think you probably keep those other two. I think the other two make a lot of sense. And then Michigan State becomes your top dog that isn't really a top dog and will likely be even less of a top dog.
0: I'd then, watch it. i yeah. watch it for sure. Yeah. The, uh, the also, fourth and final game I would go oh, with yeah, yeah. would be at Texas Tech. And the reason I would do at oh. Texas Tech recruiting, I think it's really big to get games oh. inside the state of Texas, Texas, California, yeah. Florida. Anytime you can get games yep. in any of those three states, you got to go for it. And it's the similar line of thinking as the Kansas State. You know, Texas Tech, they're going to have the size advantage and athletic advantage, but it's not like you're going into Austin. It's not like you're going into to play Oklahoma. Even Oklahoma State, I think, would be a tougher matchup than Texas Tech. It just kind of feels like one of those where it's like, yeah, you still probably lose by double digits, but at least you go into it, you know, like thinking it's worth watching. You have a chance, yep. but mostly recruiting. It's, it just all comes down to recruiting. Get a game in Lubbock. You can get recruits out there. You know, you get to show them, look, we'll come out to you. We're not scared. I don't think it's big. You know, you could do TCU as well. They, w- they would also be applicable. Mm-hmm. Used to be in the Mountain West, so you have those mm-hmm. roots there. Maybe you could work something out. But anytime you can get a game in the state of Texas, you got to do it. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I think that that is very well
1: reasoned. You would be a better AD than I would. (laughs) I will concede that to you. Uh, (laughs) I did just think of one more thing. Um, There's a clause in Colorado's tax, or tax uh, in contract, in Colorado's contract with uh, Texas A&M that... uh, Says that Colorado can play the game at the Broncos Stadium. In uh, oh, that would be what in 2021, I believe they play. Is it back to back years? Yeah, or no? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so, if that were the case, it would be interesting to see what that draw is compared to a Rocky Mountain Showdown draw.
0: I'm not sure. There's so many A and M fans that you're pulling seventy thousand even for that game. I would agree. The question yeah. just, like, casual college football fans. Would
1: they make up the difference? Or people who hate Texas A&M because they go wherever.
0: I don't know. Well, that's, well, that's a good point. A there are a ton of people from the Midwest, so you could maybe just kind of pull in. You know, I'm just, like, a college football fan. Somebody like me, you know, I would go to a game like that oh, if yeah. given the opportunity. I, I still think it would be a better opportunity to bring them on campus, though. I just think, like, unless it's specifically for capacity, so that you yep. can get the maximum amount of people possible. And you, you logistically can fill it, I, or realistically. I just don't think you should take the games away from campus. I agree. I very much agree. Supposedly, back in the day, uh, CSU and USC had a contract to play a game at oh. Mile High, and USC was able to back out of it, unfortunately. Oh, wow. Bunch of That would have been, bunch of be lanes. something else. Oh, they yeah. would have destroyed. This was like, oh, this was like 05, like during the height oh, wow. of the USC's. Because CSU actually played at USC in 2004 and lost like, I think it was 49 to 0. It was bad. Oh, wow. But yeah. I mean, that team had Reggie and Matt Liner mm-hmm. and Wendell White, and they were just stacked. That's so dope. I just want football back so bad. That's what this all reinforces. Definitely. This was a fun episode. I think
1: this it was a,
0: a nice little exercise. Well it'll probably be something we do, you know, throughout the season, which games are we most excited about this week? Yeah. I, I think we this, each like got to individually, like, uh, but it's more fun to go back and forth. I feel
1: like we should each pick like three against the spread or something or like five every week. Yeah. We'll definitely like have get draft
0: involved. Oh yeah. Uh, at some point. But before we go, tell, tell our nice folks listening about the lawnmower 3.0 and what you can get with DNVR. Oh, wow. Uh,
1: the Lumower 3.0 is incredible. Just I mean, put him on there, the spot there. There are so many things about it that I just love. You know, the fact that it, it's 7,000 RPM, I think that that's very, very good. That sounds this like is a, a lot this of This is RPM. a precise
0: piece of machinery. This was designed specifically to erase the pubic hairs that you no longer want. It has an LED light. What a Which, terrible description this has been so far.
1: I know, but but yeah, I mean, it's it really does just fly through stuff, and I, I just I, it doesn't make any sense to me why that LED light seems so helpful, because I I, I used it the first time and I was like, everybody keeps talking about this, I, it's not going to make a difference, and then you use it and you're like, wow, you really do need that. It's almost like imagine if you were just like cutting anything and how annoying it can be. And then all of a sudden it's just like more clear. Again, I can't explain how it it makes things so much easier, but it doesn't make any sense is what I will say.
0: It just makes me feel like I'm a professional, you know what I'm doing? It's, mm. it's not like, you know, it's not like you're like a awkward 14 year old in the bathroom trying to like, oh God, I hope this works with the with the lawnmower 3.0. <laughs> It's Have you ever thought of voice acting? Yes, actually. Well, you should
1: do it. That was like a perfect, like little kid voice. <laughs> like, like if somebody like reaches out and says like Hey, we're looking for somebody who could voice this eleven-year-old who's kind of uncomfortable. You should jump on that.
0: This is something to consider. Maybe I'm gonna. Maybe I'm gonna pivot. I'm just gonna give up sports media altogether and try to become a voice actor.
1: It is. I cannot explain the downpour that is just happening outside. I keep like looking out the window and I feel weird about it, but Oh, wow. I can see the sun on your face. When you open that, I can see how bright it is. Wow. It's just dark. It looks like it's nighttime. Like I can't see the parking lot. That's like 50 feet away. There's like hail. I wonder if I can turn you so you can see this is terrible podcasting.
0: Oh man. It is coming down out there.
1: Yeah. You can kind of see, but it's, it's disgusting. And I uh, I have to go get dinner. <laughs> uh, and I should probably do that
0: right now. Um, do it. Anyways, oh, wait, we didn't use the, use code. the code. Yeah, we got to use the code. ENVR20 for 20% off. Do it. You're going to get a little nice little travel case. You get the Lawnmower 3.0, which is clutch. You can use it, you know, on your private area. If you got ugly feet like me, maybe you got to trim the hair off your feet. Hey, there's no shame yes. in that. Self-love, baby. Uh, they give you ball deodorant. They give you a crop reviver. Just an awesome, awesome company. Shout out to Manscaped. Use that code DNVR20. Do it. Do Get it.
1: that perfect package, 3.0. Very good. Okay. Uh, I think that does it for today. We will be back it. next week to talk about whatever happened in the college sports world. And hopefully it's good. And then we'll talk about some fun stuff like we did today too. All right. Uh, Anything else you have to say, Justin? Wash your hands, wear a mask. Ah, see, that was much smarter than anything I would have come up with. Okay, uh, we'll see you next week.